Welcome to episode 42 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversation with Sacramento trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to sycrimer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by the generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This episode is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military cultural content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find more about PsychArmor at psycharmor.org. On today's episode, we'll be featuring a conversation with Stephanie Muckey, the Population Health Strategy Lead for Humana's Veteran Bold Goal. This is a population health strategy focused on both community and business integration to improve the clinical and social health outcomes for veterans and their families. Her career developed out of her passion to serve and desire to invest in the military communities that she's lived with for over 20 years as a military spouse. You can find out more about Stephanie by checking out her bio in our show notes, Let's get into my conversation with her and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. As the public health strategy lead for Humana, you bring your experience supporting the military-affiliated population to be a leader in the public health sector. I'm interested in hearing about your journey and why you feel it's important for Humana to be part of the conversation regarding population health for service members, veterans, and their families. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dwayne, and, and thank you very much for your service. So my journey was really, I guess you could say, organic. I grew up in Canada, and our family moved to the U.S. when I was 15 years old, Texas to be exact, and admittedly, military life was very foreign to me. We don't have a particularly large military in Canada, and I didn't have any close personal experiences with military culture. However, I can now say that uh, I have lived a very traditional military spouse journey since that point in time. I remember General Amos. He was the 35th Commandant of the Marine Corps. He wants to find the Marine Corps family as the one you are born into, sworn into, or married into. So by that definition, I guess you could say I married into the Marine Corps when I was in my early 20s as a college student in Southern California just prior to 9-11, so in 2001. And when I reflect back on that year and getting married and living a million miles from home and everything that I knew, I I was actually really wonderstruck by the adventures that I anticipated I would take as a military spouse. I love to travel. I love to meet new people and experience new cultures. And my appreciation for and my admiration for the military was just beyond words. And it still is to this day. So based on my limited knowledge, probably from Hollywood movies, I was convinced it was a perfect fit. And then 9-11 happened. And of course, our world turned upside down. And for military families, I think the few knowns that we felt confident with became unknowns. And people were asking, what does this mean for our country? Will we go to war? But military families were wondering, what does this mean for our husbands and our wives and sons and daughters and mothers and fathers and friends who were actively serving at that time? It was very much, would they come home from work 
that day. Our base went into lockdown. Would they deploy tomorrow? Would they be on the front lines? And perhaps the most nagging question in the back of our minds was, will they come home from war? Ultimately, experience as a military spouse, when your country goes to war, you and your service member are almost instantly forced to grow up and in a hurry. And that's precisely what I think happened. Our guys started deploying back to back to back and some came home and some didn't. And those that did came home definitely changed. And on the home front, we changed too. So the the families really rallied together uh, to be the backbone of support for one another in one of you know the most challenging times through all of the sorrow and loss, as well as celebrations and milestones. And I think that public service was really ingrained in me from a young age. My mom brought my sisters and I up through Girl Scouting or Girl Guides, as we call it in Canada. So it was a really natural fit for me to serve through my military community. And in my heart, it's what was the most fulfilling thing that I could do to feel like I was contributing to the war efforts and supporting the immense sacrifices that the, the family and friends around me were experiencing. And honestly, it helped me feel closer to both my husband and his unit's missions over the years to just be involved. So we learned really early on that if we could take care of the families on the home front, our service members were better able to focus on their mission forward deployed. So unbeknownst to me at the time, this was my introduction to population health. We were working to address social determinants of health in the spouses and family members of our units from a grassroots level. And I didn't even know what social determinants of health work. (laughs) That terminology was unbeknownst to me at the time. And I think it's important to share what social determinants of health are. And those things are all of those conditions in your environment that really affect your quality of life outcomes. So this can be everything from availability of resources. So housing, food markets, education, access to healthcare services, social support, languages, and this list goes on and on. It's all those things that happen outside the doctor's office. Those became my humble roots in the space of addressing social determinants of health for our military-affiliated communities. And over time, my passion evolved as our military life journey did. So my husband served 22 years in the Marine Corps, and he retired in 2019. Over that period of time, we moved 10 times He deployed eight times, three times to Iraq, once to Afghanistan, four to the Pacific. And our children attended nine schools. I leaned in. I just leaned in. I decided to develop my career to to coincide with both my passion and our lifestyle. And I wanted to see military families really navigate the ups and downs of military life in, in a healthy way. I wanted to see them succeed. Ultimately, my journey brought me to Humana. And I had worked as a a family readiness officer for an F-18 squadron in the Marine Corps. I worked as a readiness and deployment support trainer. I was the Hawaii State Consultant for the Department of Defense-funded program Military One Source. And that common thread throughout my career continued to be addressing social determinants of health for military-affiliated communities. That kind of brings me to why it's important for Humana to be a part of this conversation. And I think it's important to share that over 8.7 million veterans are ages 65 and older are Medicare eligible. That's 47% of the veteran population. 
And we're a healthcare company and healthcare is complicated. <laughs> and it's definitely complicated for our veterans who have very specific and different needs from the general population. They may have VA healthcare. They may not. They may have TRICARE. Humana is really positioned to serve veterans each and every day in our work. So as a healthcare company, we have this opportunity to really link arms with our community partners and make health easier. And I really feel blessed to work for leaders in an organization that see the value in investing and improving the lives of veterans and our families. And I think that's really important, especially sort of that background as you're talking about these social determinants of health, they impact everyone, regardless of whether you serve or you don't serve. However, those who serve have extra stressors, as you said, it just generally, I was, as you talk about picking up and moving thousands of miles away, my wife is from Tennessee and we ended up in Germany, but we were overseas when 9-11 happened. Zero support. She had an 18-month-old and a newborn on 9-11. And so you have these social determinants of health, of housing stability and food stability and just social support, which are necessary for everyone. And then you have the added stress of military life, which is stressful in and of itself. And so adding food insecurity or lack of, of viable housing, if you're in a location that doesn't have proper housing, for example, just adds that much more stress. And that actually can impact readiness in our military. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things we like to talk about at Humana is that imbalance of our healthcare spending in the healthcare community. So you might be really surprised to hear or learn that 50% of our health is dictated by healthy behaviors, yet only 4% of our healthcare spending is on those same health behaviors. We spend 88% of our healthcare spend on medical services. So that's why this work is so important. If we focus on improving healthy behaviors, we can look to improve health outcomes for, for our veterans and their families, thereby lowering the total cost of care and getting in front of. It's all about working upstream so that our service members and families or veterans and families never have those big clinical issues that will become something that they're dealing with for the rest of their lives. Within our Veteran Bold goal, we're really striving to bring veteran health influencers together. We want to bring those in the community together who are already aligned to and interested on impacting social determinants of health. And as you'd mentioned, taking it out of the medical office, and as we talked to it before we started, I have a clinical background, clinical mental health, and when it comes to suicide prevention specifically, we'll get to that in a minute. I, as a clinician in my community, doesn't have the answer because if we did, the problem would be solved by now. And so it has to be non-clinical approaches and broadly, even as you said, Humana take getting out of the clinical space, the medical space, if you will, and broadening in that you mentioned the Veteran Bold Goal program, you lead the team at Humana. Humana, which aims to help the military-affiliated population improve those behaviors by connecting veterans to the communities in which they live. What more can you tell me about Humana's National Veteran Bold Goal? Yeah, we know that our veteran community is super rich with resources, so we're not looking to reinvent the wheel. So our Veteran Bold Goal strives to bring those veteran health influencers together to impact social determinants of health. And what that means is we really aim to support communities in bridging the gap between civilian and military life. We 
we really aim to support our associates in military cultural competency so that they can best support our veteran members. And then we strive to be the, the connectors and conveners and, and really the catalysts for change in the space of improving healthy days for this population. So we look to collaborate and leverage collective strengths of different organizations. So we work with the VFW, Veterans of Foreign Wars, DAV, Disabled American Veterans, and AMBETS, just as a few examples, to work together to understand and identify and address barriers to health for their members. So one example of how we do this is through our Uniting to Combat Hunger campaign. And the Uniting to Combat Hunger campaign is to address food insecurity. We know that 20% of households served by Feeding America include at least one individual who served in the military. And we also know that 1.3 million veterans rely on SNAP benefits. And we really believe that the families who have served our country should never have to choose between putting food on the table or paying for other basic needs like household bills or medications. We join forces with the VFW and Feeding America on our Uniting to Combat Hunger campaign to really raise awareness of this need in, in the military and veteran space, as well as raise meals to address the problem head on in the, the veteran military community. And to date, we have raised more than 2 million meals. So we're very excited to continue this journey on United to Combat Hunger with our partners. And I think that's a great example of when you go to your healthcare professional, you're not necessarily thinking about how hungry you are. You're thinking about whatever condition you're there to address. That that medical need overshadows maybe your other need. And conversely, the medical professional may not be considering, hey, have you had enough to eat? Perhaps in a nutritional sense, your levels are a little low or something like that in a medical sense. But I, I really value the idea of having your providers and perhaps maybe a social worker, nurse case manager, something like that, also be concerned about general health needs and not just your medical needs. Yeah, absolutely. Systemically, we have a lot of opportunity and that that is some of the stuff that we integrate into the provider space as a healthcare company. We train our providers both on military cultural competency as well as identifying the needs of our members through social determinants of health or health-related social needs surveying. So we are trying to change an entire system by addressing it within each population and or clinical area or social work area or provider or even with our agents. If we can identify up front the needs of those members, we can address their whole health. And instead of just saying, hi, welcome to Humana, how can I help you with your insurance claim today? We can make sure that we're meeting the full needs. If we hear those key statements, like I was unable to make ends meet this month, or between now I'm in next paycheck, I'm unable to buy groceries, then we are building into our capabilities uh, a way to ensure that member isn't just let off the line. That member is being provided with a referral for whatever resource to address that need. And that we have to rely on our community partners. Our National Veteran Bold Goal is coast to coast, but population health is local. So we really rely on our boots on the ground and we have our boots on the ground across the country so that when those needs pop up, whether it's for homeless veterans or hungry veterans and everything in between, our boots on the ground can address that with local resources in their communities. 
I also like the idea that you're not just focusing on post 9-11 veterans, right? You experience that as a military spouse, I as a service member, as my family. But as you said, a large portion of veterans are older. We're talking about Vietnam era. My father was 69 when he passed away several years ago. There's not a Vietnam veteran who's younger than 70 right now. Really, we're talking about geriatric as well as veteran health and, and geriatric needs for service members. And, and obviously, at end of life, there are fewer resources just in our homes. I think that's another really valuable way to look at this problem is to say that this is the majority of our clients here at Humana and we need to support them with their needs and not really focusing on there are a lot of resources for another group of veterans, but let's let those veterans get those resources. Yeah, absolutely. That brings me to Another area of focus for our Veteran Bold Goal, which is loneliness and social isolation. And you're right. Our Medicare-eligible veteran population is primarily the Vietnam veteran now. And what we've learned is that the primary enemy that most veterans face after service is not war-related trauma, but instead loneliness. We have done some health-related social needs surveying within our Medicare Advantage veteran populations at Humana, as well as in partnership with the VFW, DAV, and AMBETS. And in our veteran population, many veterans certainly struggle with transitioning from active duty service to civilian life. But when we're talking about this senior population who have more than likely been away from service for some time, in a recent study, only 18% of our veteran families felt that the general public understood their sacrifices. It's a different generation with different resources at the time than we have now. So just because veterans might be surrounded by people, it doesn't mean that they necessarily have someone to relate to or feel socially connected to. And we know that loneliness is a top predictor of depression and suicidal thoughts. It ranks higher than PTSD, disability, and psychiatric problems. And so if social connections dwindle in our veteran population, this can pose some really serious health-related issues, and they could certainly be a contributing factor to the suicide rate for veterans. We've all heard the numbers, 17.6 veteran suicides per day in 2020, according to the VA. Truly a gut-wrenching statistic that is directly related to loneliness and social isolation. So we have a couple of projects at Humana to address this need in our senior veteran population. One of them is Humana is a Vietnam War Commemoration Commemorative Partner. So we conduct Vietnam veteran pinning and proclamation ceremonies in our Humana neighborhood centers and local communities across the country to help combat social isolation in this population. We also have a public awareness campaign called Far From Alone, and we're really proud to have Psych Armor as one of our veteran Bold Goal partners on this campaign. And through this campaign, we really strive to help normalize the issue of loneliness and social isolation for our veterans. We know our veterans are proud. We want to help raise awareness about the negative health consequences of loneliness. And again, just leverage those collective resources to help increase social connectedness in this population. And it is a public awareness campaign. It is open to all populations, not just the veteran population. So we really invite any organization that is military affiliated or not to join us as a partner. The more voices that we can get out there, the more work we can do to tackle this need. 
again, really intriguing that an organization, and I don't want to say like Humana, but as you said, primarily as a healthcare organization, and I'm there again to address my health needs, usually physical health needs, or, or maybe even as you said to how do I pay for this medication or something like that. But it's not really an organization that you would think that would connect me with people or help me feel less isolated or things like that. And again, really that idea of outside of the medical box, what other things can we do as an organization to impact people's health? One of the other areas in which you're really making a focus is in health equity for service members, veterans, and their families. Yeah. So when it comes to health equity, we're really in this exploration stage. We want to take a deeper look at those barriers to health for different underserved veteran subgroups, whether it's female veterans, homeless veterans, minority veterans, LGBTQI plus veterans, or even veterans with uh, serious mental illness, we know that higher rates of food insecurity and loneliness have been found in these populations. As with all of our work within our Bold Bowl initiative, we start with the data. We start with surveying and understanding and, and asking where people are coming from as a really important first step. So we're exploring those health inequities for different subgroups, and we're really committed to caring for those vulnerable populations. So definitely more to come on that as we go on our journey to identify where we can really make an impact in improving healthy days for veteran members of all populations. And, and sometimes that's going to mean providing more resources for those subpopulations, right? Equity is not equality. Equity is making sure that everyone gets to the same level. Not everyone has the same resources. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that you and Humana are doing some really great stuff. If people wanted to learn more about the Veteran Bold Goal or the work that Humana is doing in this space, how can they do that? Yeah, they can visit populationhealth.humana.com or they can reach out to myself. I'd really like to leave a call to action for anybody that might be listening. The military and veteran community, we really pride ourselves in being able to take care of our own, but we can't do it alone. We need allies. So I'd like to invite anyone listening to, to become an ally. And some of the ways you can do that is through volunteerism or social connection. So I encourage you to volunteer for a veteran service organization or a military service organization in your community. And then I also challenge you to connect more deeply with a veteran the next time you meet one. So if you see a veteran with a hat or a t-shirt or the bumper sticker, I really encourage you to definitely thank them for their service, but don't just leave it at that. If you follow it up with something like, what branch did you serve in or what did you do in the military? They might just tell you a story that will inspire you, something that will drive you to be more engaged with our nation's veterans. And while not all veterans will want to share, in my experience, more often than not, offering them the space to share about their time in service will help develop meaning in your relationship with that veteran. It will help build a bridge between the civil military divide, and it may provide a platform for that veteran to feel more socially connected, thus improving his or her mental and clinical health. After all, that's what human care is. Sometimes it's just as simple as giving people an opportunity to share their stories. So our military, our veterans and families, they need our support now as much as ever. It's been a 20 year, a long 20 year war. And it's not uncommon to hear a veteran say the real battle starts when they get home. So let's all be a part of the solution. 
No, I think that's a great call to action. Very inspirational. And I'll make sure that all the links to to Humana and the work that you're doing are in our show notes. Thanks for coming on the show today, Stephanie. Thank you, Dwayne and PsychArmor. Thanks for bringing awareness to these health-related social needs for our veterans and their families. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. One of the points that Stephanie brought up for me was one that she said would surprise me, and it did. The fact that only 4% of healthcare spending in our nation is directed to improving healthy behaviors, while almost 90% of the spending is on medical care. But medical care only accounts for about 50% of our actual health. Healthy behaviors are those that can lead to better health, like eating well and exercise, as well as behaviors that lead to poorer health outcomes, like smoking, excessive alcohol consumption, or risky sexual behavior. As I thought about it, I'm relatively healthy. As a veteran, I get my medical care at the local VA. I see my primary care physician at the VA twice a year for about a half an hour at a time. Maybe I have some specialty care from time to time, but the accumulated time that I spend with the medical professional over the course of a year is probably less than 15 hours. So not a lot of money is spent on me personally over the course of a year, but that's also not a lot of impact that medical professionals have on my health. So for me, my health behavior choices have more of an impact on my personal health and by extension the health of my family, as their choices have on me, greater than that of medical care. And the more that I engage in unhealthy behavior choices, the greater the likelihood is that I will need more medical care, increasing the spending. It's a downward spiral because we're focusing on repair and restoration rather than prevention. And things like food insecurity, which is tied to economic insecurity and isolation, are key factors in healthy behaviors. Which brings me to my second point, a really encouraging thing that I heard from my conversation with Stephanie, which is how organizations like Humana are beginning to focus on health needs beyond just medical needs. There's been a lot of talk about meeting the needs of the entire person, holistic support, biological, psychological, social, and spiritual. We often try to treat those things separately. You have a doctor for your biological needs, a mental health professional, a spiritual advisor, or faith leader, and your group of friends. As a mental health professional, I recognize that I rarely, if ever, had any communication with the client's physical health professional as well as their faith leader. We talked about it, if necessary, within the constraints of therapy when it came to questions of faith or health, but there was not any organized ways of addressing it outside of the veteran or military spouse themselves which leads to the one person organizing all of these complex concerns being the one person who may be least equipped to do so, the individual themselves. None of this happens in a vacuum. As I mentioned before, all of these things are interconnected. An early staple of my military household was hamburger helper. Costs a lot less than fresh cuts from the butcher and greens from the produce section. It's a heck of a lot easier. It kind of tastes good if you're into that kind of thing. But it's not the healthiest meal option. But if you aren't taught healthy eating habits or you don't have the economic stability to purchase healthier food options or are working two jobs to make ends meet so you don't have the time to do more than knock out something quick for dinner, then it's the choice that you have and the one that you make. Having these conversations in a supportive and encouraging way rather than a judgmental or condemning way is a way to get things back on track for folks and help give veterans and their families the healthy post-military life that they desire and deserve. So I suggest that you check out Humana's Veteran Bold Goal, which you can do through the links in the show notes. 
For this week's PsychArmor Resource of the Week, I'd like to share the PsychArmor course, Accessing Healthcare. Transitioning from military service to the civilian sector affects the type of healthcare that's available to service members and their families. PsychArmor Institute's course, Accessing Healthcare, offers service members, veterans, and their families an overview of the type of healthcare available as part of their veteran status. Narrated by Congressman Patrick Kennedy, founder of the Kennedy Forum and mental health advocate, this course identifies the types of coverage available through TRICARE or by choosing your own private insurance. The course also discusses an executive order signed in January of 2018 that supports veterans with mental health and suicide prevention resources and aims to provide seamless access to these services for veterans in their first year after separation from military service. You can access this course by going to the link in the show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at psycharmor.org forward slash btm42, as well as on the Psycharmor website. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation, and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.